What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Microfamous, a really interesting topic for today, tactics versus strategy. But specifically, I want to talk about a really huge perspective shift in the way that I have looked at attracting clients just over here over the last, I would say, year or so. And it really solved a big frustration in my life, and I think it might solve it for you too, especially if you are a strategic thinker, right? Because if you're, if you're in coaching, consulting, speaking, you write business books, whatever, and you are obsessed with getting client results, you probably understand that it's more important for clients to really understand the strategy than it is for them to focus on the tactics. But it's hard to get people to focus on the strategy. It's hard to get people to focus on the why instead of the what. And that bothered me for a long time and maybe it bothers you. I know a lot of people in coaching consulting that they really want their clients to, to deeply care about the why behind what is being done. And I think we can, we can do a lot through you know, hosting podcasts and speaking and writing books and all this stuff to persuade people to come to our belief system, to agree with our point of view, to look at the world in the same way we do. Uh, however, in terms of attracting new people into our world, right? What is their first experience with us and how do we get found by more people? Uh, that's when we, we turn to this kind of issue that comes up because what we want to talk about on a day-to-day -day basis based on the work that we're doing with clients is oftentimes the strategy. And so I, I see people go out to the market with uh, like an opt-in or something like that. The focus is on the strategy. Um, and if you find yourself putting together an opt-in, a giveaway, a download or whatever, and the title of it starts with the word why, <laughs> that's, you should stop yourself right there. That is, that is an indication that you are talking about something probably strategic versus tactical. So if you're, if you're really, if you're really working with clients behind the scenes, like your mind is in the strategic area. You're thinking about, you know, good decision-making. You're thinking about trade-offs. You're thinking about how things fit into the bigger picture. You're thinking about all this strategic stuff. And because that's what you're excited and passionate about talking about, you think, well, that's what I'm going to go to the market with. And that's what I'm going to talk about as the first thing. I would encourage you to take a step back because of what I'm about to tell you. So I ran across a really interesting article in a music magazine and it was talking about kind of that same frustration, but in the world of music teachers, which is really interesting. So, I, and I've, I've done a little bit of music teaching. It is definitely not my favorite thing to do, uh, but I've done it enough and, and I was self-taught. I haven't really had a lot of exposure with working with a music teacher. So I wasn't aware that there is this huge frustration in the world of music teachers where, where they're struggling with how do you get students interested in music theory and just building a really good solid foundation when you pick up an instrument for the first time, right? Because music teachers often have to come along five or 10 years after somebody has picked up an instrument and like help them fix a whole bunch of bad habits they picked up along the way of being self-taught or learning a bunch of different bits and pieces. So when you pick up an instrument for the first time, what you typically do is you learn a bunch of different bits and pieces, right? So let's say you play guitar and you know, you, you heard, you know, your, your dad played Van Halen's Eruption album and you're like, oh my God, I have to learn how to play that guitar solo. And that like sticks in your mind. Or, or you heard, you know, the drum part from In the Air Tonight, you know, what Phil Collins is playing on that. Or, or you heard something like that, that, that just grabs your attention. It captures your imagination. Like, oh my God, I, I've got to do that. I want to be able to play that. That's a lot of times why people will pick up an instrument for the first time. So contrary to popular opinion, it's not just the girls. Uh, it, is, uh, it is an actual uh, desire to, to play something that usually captures uh, the imagination of a musician. So this is, gets really frustrating for music teachers because they 
they see students like skipping over the foundational stuff to learn the cool bits and pieces, right? And that makes the music teacher's job more difficult. A music teacher would rather you sit there with a practice pad if you're going to play the drums and sit there and practice, you know, paradiddles and make sure that your strokes are consistent and even and everything sounds perfect. They would rather you do that first because then you learn good habits right off the bat. And that's true. However, it doesn't make you want to learn more, right? It doesn't work with how students actually learn. And, uh, and you can fight against that frustration for a long time. Now, here's the part that really hit me. So in that article, a music instructor pointed out that all the, like, all the jazz greats, right? All, you know, Thelonious Monk and all these guys that really pushed music theory out to its limits. Um, you know, Miles Davis and all the people that were huge in the 40s, 50s, 60s, all these people that absolutely pushed music seemingly as far as it could go in terms of theory, they all started picking up their instruments the same way, which is they started playing around, they started picking up, they started going to shows, they started watching what other musicians were doing, or they would take their record player and they'd slow it down and they listened to what somebody played and they'd learn that little thing and then they'd learn this little other thing. Essentially, what they were doing is they were learning in bits and pieces, right? There wasn't a lot of formal music theory instruction. There was no YouTube tutorials. They didn't have anything like that out there. And so the bits and pieces came first. And then they would go back and learn the music theory afterwards. And it was to see how those bits and pieces fit together. And that's when I realized that I was looking at this whole thing backwards. You cannot get a music student to focus on the theory until they learn to play a bunch of different bits and pieces. And the reason for that is, as a musician, when you're trying to put all these different bits and pieces together, or you're trying to take something that you learned from one song and put it into another song, or you're trying to take something that you learned in jazz and put it into rock, things go off the rails. And you don't understand why those bits and pieces don't sound good in different contexts or different formats. That's when you realize it creates the challenge. It creates the problem of, oh, I need to understand where these bits and pieces fit into the bigger picture. And that bigger picture is music theory in this case, right? The more you understand about music theory, the more you understand how bits and pieces fit together and how to take something from one genre and put it into another or how to take something from one style of music or time period or one song and put it into another. That's what music theory helps you to do. Music theory solves the problem, right? Understanding all these little bits and pieces and picking up all these little, these little things along the way as a musician is what actually creates the demand to understand music theory. So this example hit me really hard uh, because that's exactly how I learned every instrument that I've ever played. I never had a teacher. I never had YouTube tutorials. I wasn't even allowed to watch um, instructional uh, DVDs or in those days videos until I was like 15, 16. I had already picked up um, most of the instruments that I play by then. And so I basically just learned on my own. It was from doing things like playing drums along to cassette tapes um, or learning piano by myself with nothing but a radio and a chord chart. Um, and so what I did was I started the same way. I started with the bits and pieces first, and then I gradually worked myself up into learning the music theory so that I could solve the problem of how do I get all these different bits and pieces to fit together. And that's where there's a huge parallel here with coaching and consulting where we want to teach the strategy, but our clients want tactics first, right? And it's the same exact phenomenon that's going on. It's hard to get someone to focus on strategy first if they don't see the need yet. Well, why don't they see the need? Well, it's because learning a bunch of tactics first is what creates the need. Solution is the strategy to that problem, right? So learning tactics and accumulating all these different tactics creates the problem and the solution is a better understanding of strategy. So in other words, tactics creates the demand for strategy. Let me say that again. Tactics creates the demand for strategy. 
when our clients are looking for, like if we help them grow their business and we have, you know, potential clients out there who are looking for a new way to grow their business, they don't go first looking for strategy. They go looking for tactics, right? They're looking at, okay, well, should I do, you know, more Instagram? Should I, maybe I should get into Facebook ads. What about LinkedIn outreach? What about this? What about that? What about that? They always start by looking at tactics first. And we can either fight against that and try to give them strategy before they really feel the need for it. Or we can work with that impulse to look at tactics first and we can give them what they want first. Give them a tactic that's interesting, that's new, that's fresh, right? Because then they're more likely to trust us. Then we can step in and offer to help them put that tactic into a strategy that's more effective. And of course, some will take us up on the offer and some won't. Some will just run with that tactic and they'll make a, make a mess of it because they don't understand how to fit it into their context, into a new situation. And that's okay, right? Let them, let them do that. Our clients are the ones that are going to see the tactic that we've given them and recognize that that tactic is a window into a new strategic world that we are offering them. Ideally, when we're giving a tactic to a potential client, we're giving them something that isn't just something new to do or something new to try. It's a window into the way that we look at the world. It's a window into a new strategy. And that strategy solves the problem of what the hell do I do with all these different tactics that I've accumulated, right? I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm speaking, I'm getting interviewed on podcasts, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Great. Here is the micro famous strategy that shows you exactly where all of that fits together so that you can decide what's important and what's not, what trade-offs you're willing to make and what you need to do more of and what you need to stop doing completely. That's where the micro famous strategy comes into place for my clients, right? It is a framework that helps them understand which tactics are important and which are not. And so when I give somebody a tactic like how do you get featured on more podcasts, it's not just something that they can add to their to-do list. That tactic is a window into my world of strategy. And the more they get into my tactics, the more it creates the demand for my strategy. Once they find out about, you know, how to get featured on podcasts, well, then it's like, okay, well, maybe I should host my own. Perfect. That's what our agency does, right? That's, that's, what, that's what the micro frame of strategy actually is based around is podcasting and micro content. So the more people find out about the tactics that I teach, the more it creates the demand for strategy. And so if you're listening to this and you are a coach or a consultant, let's, let's say you're someone that coaches people on how to grow their small business. They are the entrepreneur. They are the founder. Give them a tactic that isn't just any tactic. Give them something that's fresh, that's new, that's interesting, that's different, but give them a tactic that is a window into the world of strategy that you offer them, a new way of looking at the world, a new way of doing things, right? That's when the tactic can be really, really powerful and attract the right people into your world. But understand that if you go to the market and the first thing you offer people is strategy, there's gonna be a very small set of people that recognize the value of that. And those are the people that have already accumulated enough tactics to where they are trying to understand where things fit together you're going to miss out on the whole larger market of people who are still in that phase of learning a bunch of different bits and pieces. So if you try to go to the market first with strategy, and that's all you talk about, and that's all, all people know about you, uh, and that's their first experience with you a lot of times, it will essentially cut you off from part of the market, but it's, it's not really working with people where they're at. It'd be like a music teacher saying, like, yeah, 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 I know you want to learn that little bit of the guitar solo. Six months from now, I'll let you pick up a guitar, but right now, uh, you're going to just work with these three chords and, and we're going to play, you know, uh, Mary had a little lamb for six months until you get these chords down. No student is going to sit through that. Right. And so while, while we want to become known 
for the thing that we, that we do and for the problem that we solve, understand that there's nothing wrong with authoring people a specific tactic that is a window into our world of strategy, right? Because the more tactics they accumulate, and if they come to trust us because of the tactics that we share, they will come, they will get a window into our strategy. And the more tactics they accumulate, the more bits and pieces that they have kind of floating around in their mind, it creates that problem of the, all this stuff doesn't fit together and you come along and say, I have the solution. I have the strategy. Here's how everything fits together. And they go, Oh, now I get it. Okay. Now I want the strategy. Right? So hopefully that's helpful. I know that's a little off the wall and it's a, it's a really interesting example and hopefully you can relate and see some parallels in your own world, even if you're not a musician. But um, I just want to thank you for, for listening. Spread this uh, if you got value out of it. If there's another coach or consultant who is kind of asking themselves these same types of questions of what do I go to the market with? What's people's first experience of me? You know, I want to talk about strategy, but my people want to talk about tactics. That's okay you know, send this episode to them. And I just appreciate all the feedback, all the replies that I get on the emails that are sent out, all the reviews uh, and things like that. I'll read every single one of them and just appreciate you guys so much for doing that. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. 